As a preschool teacher, circle time should be one of the most exciting times of the entire day, quite frankly. You're dancing with your kids, you're singing, you're having so much fun, but teachers sometimes struggle to get their preschoolers engaged. Here with me on our podcast, I've got an amazing woman to be able to share with you the secrets to make circle time energizing for not only you as a teacher, but for your preschoolers as well, so that every time you ask preschoolers to come to circle time, they're running over excited. As mothers who need to add money to the family budget, we thought we only had two options. Get a job and put our kids in daycare or start a home daycare. But what if there was a third option, a better way that would allow you to create a consistent income and make a difference in children's lives while still staying home with your kids? I'm Joy Anderson, and this is the Preschool All-Stars Podcast, where I'm going to share exactly how myself and thousands of other moms have created successful preschools so you can do the same. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the Preschool All-Stars Podcast. I'm your host, Joy Anderson, and with me today is my good friend, Jocelyn Manzanares. She has a master's degree in music education, and she is a certified K-12 music educator. She spent over the past 20 years teaching in the district, as well as bringing her music programs into childcare centers and in-home daycares across the area. She's been able to reach over 2,000 children with her music programs every single week. And when COVID happened in March, she brought her music classes online so that she could serve even more students. Children ages zero to six are loving her music classes. And I'm excited to tell you, and she even has a program for teachers to help them with their circle times. Jocelyn, welcome to our podcast. Ah, Joy, I'm so excited to be here. One of the really cool things about Jocelyn is we've actually been in the same circles without knowing it until recently. And then worlds collided. And I'm so thrilled that she reached out to me because we actually are in a different membership program where we help women, like I help women start preschools and she helps preschool teachers and other educators be able to have wonderful circle times. So perfect blend of the worlds here. Jocelyn, our very first question that preschool owners are going to ask you is, how do we make our preschoolers want to come to circle time? Your company is called Musically Minded. So I'm guessing it has everything to do with music. You know, Joy, I think you're going to be surprised where I'm going to start with this. Because honestly, it starts the minute the teacher's alarm goes off. If they are alarm kind of people. And I tell you that because our mindset when we get ready to go into that classroom begins the minute we wake up. How do we start our day? Do we quick throw on our clothes and run out the door with, you know, maybe maybe a coffee or a piece of toast and fly into our classroom, especially if you're, um, you know, you've got your classroom in your home, you don't have to go so far, but you could be at a mad dash panic all day long, trying to just kind of stay ahead of it. Um, you might be exhausted. You might feel, you know, blah. There's all these different feelings that can come about. And so I really encourage teachers to get their mind right the moment they wake up. So creating a morning routine where you're reminding yourself why you do what you do and what are you going to do throughout the day to keep that momentum up and never forget this gift, this, this opportunity that you've given yourself to work with young children, because it not only is a, uh, an opportunity, I, I see it as a responsibility. 
And so when you're really clear with why you teach your circle times, they turn out to be really a lot of fun or not a lot of fun. So I say that because now you're in the classroom and you're excited to share some new activities with your kids and you are a magnet and they want to be near you. You are kind to them. You're respectful to them. When they're in that sort of environment, they want to return again and again. On the flip side, there's a saying that goes, kids don't learn from teachers they don't like. So I know that's hard to hear. And I, I mean that in the nicest way. There's a great TED talk about that. But I think it's important for us to recognize that if we want to attract kids, whether it be into the, into the classroom at all, or especially the circle time where we're going to start to talk more about, it's so important that you show up ready to go. You're sending out the energy of engagement and fun. And I guarantee when you start to string circle times together that are engaging and fun, it's no question they're going to come and they can't wait to be there with you. It's like a snowball thing, right? I mean, one little great circle time builds on the next. You feel more confident inside. Your kids are having more fun. And it just has a snowball effect of every time now becomes circle time. But like you said, it, it starts right at the beginning when you wake up. How is your mindset? How are you excited to go toward the day? Now, here's an off-topic question a little bit. Sometimes I, I go to sleep knowing what I'm going to teach the next day. But as I go into that classroom or as I'm on my drive to go to the classroom, I am really excited about some other idea. Like, so is that okay for us preschool teachers? I mean, what drives the topic at circle time? Because is it the teacher's enthusiasm thinking that the kids are really going to be excited about this? Or should I, should I, you know, scrap my enthusiasm and go back with the pre-planned thing I had planned for the day? You got to read your audience. You know, there's been many times where I show up and I have an idea of what I'm going to teach. And it just so happens, you know, that a child will say something or something will be on their shirt um, and the topic goes a different way. And I think that's the really an important piece is to recognize that you're, you're going with a recipe, you know, you're going with your plan, but, and, and that alone, I have to always go with the lesson plan because that puts me in, in a calm state. I know no matter what, I've got things I can pull from, as opposed to showing up and be like, all right, take me where the wind blows me. That never ends up well, because I personally am not calm. But when I come with a plan, and if for some reason an activity didn't work, um, like I said, a child is interested in something, I want to be willing to go with the flow. And I know there's definitely a lot of teachers who are like, well, this is what I'm planning. I mean, we're going to do weather now and we're going to do the book now. And I don't care if the book is 30 pages and there's a ton of text on every page. These kids are going to sit here and listen to it. The problem is you're setting yourself up and them up for failure. Instead, let's say you start the book, you didn't pre-read it, which we always wanna make sure we do. Um, and you start the book and you realize quickly, you, you're always you know, paying attention to your audience. And you're like, hmm, two are disengaging, three, oh, there's four. That's when you need to stop and go on a different plan. Now, if you're driving to school and you're so excited about something and it wasn't what you planned the night before, hey, Again, 
We're going with the flow. Um, I think you want to have a general idea of what you want your circle times to look like and what you want your teaching overall to look like. And, um, you know, sort of a 10,000 foot view, but micromanaging that can, I feel we're going to lose that creativity, that spontaneity and, and the fun that, like I said earlier, we need to bring. So if you're like, oh gosh, here we go again, time to sing twinkle, twinkle, those kids are going to know it. And when you have something fun and new to bring, you'll bring that energy that I think makes a difference. One of my favorite teachers, her name was Miss Rosie. So Miss Rosie, if you're listening, girl, you know, you're one of my favorite teachers. She yes. would bring to circle time, her magic bag. And those kids, every single time she would sit down, what's in Miss Rosie's bag today? I mean, they were just enthralled with whatever would come out of there was magical to them. So let me ask you this. Let's picture a circle time. And I know we could probably talk and nitpick about how many minutes it should be, but that's neither here nor there. Let's talk more yeah. about the elements. What are some elements that you would put into a great circle time? You know, a story and music, what are your favorite elements? Yeah, I'll go through the elements. I think one of the overarching pieces that you always want to make sure is that everyone is engaging in the activity. So I, I'll talk through some of the different components that I bring, um, but I think that that is, your, that is your number one to ask yourself every single time, who's doing the work in this activity? Is it a watch me activity? Is it a, I'm the teacher, I'm gonna hold the book, I'm gonna count the days in the calendar? Because if it is, and you string too many of those together, I guarantee your kids will not sit. We'll talk about sitting later, but, I recommend that you double check your activity and make sure that it taps into at least two senses. So auditory, kinesthetic, tactile, all of those things, because when you do, you're going to get children's brains engaging. So over to the side, we'll move the multi-sensory piece over, but let's just talk. So finger plays. Finger plays are fantastic because right off the bat, they don't need any material. Uh, they're perfect even to bring, you know, you're lining up and you need something quick. You taught them the finger play at, at circle time. I have 10 little horses and I feed them oats and hay. I open up the barn door so they can run and play. I gallop, I gallop, I gallop, I gallop. Oh, whoa, my horses, whoa. And right there, I've got them engaging and I have them busy always give them something to do. So finger plays are one of my favorites. Um, next is movement activities. And I see a lot of circle times where no movement is happening. And that's a problem because what happens is brains cannot stay focused for that long without some sort of movement. I say it, you need to oxygenate the blood. If we're talking about adults, it's every nine minutes and 59 seconds. Um, as if you've ever read the book Brain Rules by John Medina, he talks about this. And we need to make sure as adults that we're up and we're moving or somehow. So if you've ever been in a lecture, college lecture, and you've been sitting there for, you know, 30 minutes and you start to doze off, don't feel bad. Feel bad for the teacher who didn't change things up because they're not teaching with the brain in mind. All right. So those are adults. But now let's talk about kids. When you look at little ones and they have been sitting longer than about three minutes without much going on, 
you get disengagement. It's not because they have ADHD or any other label we need to put on them. These are typically developing children that simply need to move their bodies. Their bodies, they're starting to fidget. They're moving around. They might be poking because their body, their brain says, hey, you know what? I need some oxygen. I bring in movement. And with movement, there's lots of different ways you could turn on some fun music. By the way, it doesn't just need to be Baby Shark. You can turn on Bob Marley. Um, anything fun that you love to listen to and dance to that's kid, kid appropriate, go for it. So that would be sort of unstructured movement. We can have more structured movement, uh, you know, activities, movement activities that were reinforcing different concepts like body parts. So movement, we've got finger plays and movement. Number three, instrument play. So with instruments, there's so many instruments you can bring to circle time. But my philosophy is I to make it even more meaningful and know that I'm purposeful in my activities. I always give the same the, the activity, the um, instruments, the same to all the kids. So, you know, not very often do I bring out my music box and dump it in the middle and just say grab and go because then it kind of gets chaotic. So instead, I've got a box of shakers. I've got a box of rhythm sticks. By the way, make them short, about six inches. And then I've got a box of, you know, hand drums and, and various other class sets of instruments. So that's another fun way to do it. And when you pass those instruments out, you want to make sure you are connecting with every child. You're singing a song. Those transition songs are huge. And then we've got scarves. Scarves are great. They're that tactile piece. They're, um, you know, hand-eye coordination. We can do movement activities with them. So they're super flexible in that way. We, uh, of course, if you have um, um, lots of different age groups in your circle time, the scarves are great for the little babies who can suck on them and hold them in their hands and watch the older ones dance. So um, those are very handy. I also love to bring stories into the, the class. So I would say either a book, maybe Bear Snores On and you're incorporating a song throughout it. Or another one of my very favorite things, flannel board stories. I can talk days about flannel board stories because I really feel like what they do is for you as a teacher, you're creative, you're, you're mixing it up, you're trying different, um, maybe, maybe change the story a little bit from one telling to another, but then you're manipulating these pieces. That's visually interesting. But then what you do is you've planted a seed. Now you go and put that felt story in the library center. And then those kids can go over and retell that story. So it's just got a lot of legs in that respect. Um, and then I do some sharing at circle time. You know, that's a, that's a pretty complicated concept and not one you want to force. So we won't get into, um, you know, sharing a toy in, in free play because that's a whole nother concept. But this is more of a passing something around and having each child get a chance to hold it. I have a song and it's called Taken Turns. We're taking turns, we're taking turns. We'll pass it to our friends. We're taking turns. And then I think there's a four B count that's like boom, 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 boom. Now what that does is it tells that child, hey, you know what? During that song, it's all mine. I know exactly when my time is. Nobody's gonna touch it. Miss Jocelyn's gonna make sure that I'm safe and then I'm gonna pass it to the next person. And so that's the social and emotional skills that have so much benefit in our classroom, far more than the academics.
So those are some of the components that I have in my circle times. Um, sort of, you know, the umbrella pieces, and then I find different activities underneath, underneath each one of those. And that's awesome. So three things stuck out to me that had nothing to do with the actual elements. One of those was just barely, you talked about the social emotional elements, not necessarily we're going all for cognitive in our circle time. The second one was you talked about, give them something to do, right? If all they're doing is watching you do something, have them be active, give them something to do. Their kids, it's all developmentally appropriate. Their, their behavior during circle time, give them something to do to help that behavior, the, the actions. And I don't mean behavior in a bad way, but um, how their body is moving, help them yeah. to know how to move, right? Yeah. And the third thing was the three minutes, right? If you've gone three minutes without giving them something to do, without having them um, interact during your circle time with the movement, with things like that, you're asking for a recipe for disaster. So holy cow, everybody just like go rewind, listen to that again, make sure you take detailed notes, set that as a foundation of a wonderful circle time. Now you did talk about sitting and I love that you brought up the concept that, you know, how children's bodies act during circle time is completely developmentally appropriate. Um, it's how teachers don't move within those like parameters that that's what they think that, oh my gosh, my class, my circle time's getting out of hand. Well, it's because you haven't built in some of these things. So when you mentioned sitting and things like that, what are some fun ways that we are we're able to help the children with their movement so that we're not, you know, hands-on uh, Johnny over here, or, you know, we're, we're looking over here because we got the center, you know, of dramatic play, super exciting, right? Like how do we help them with their sitting? Well, the biggest thing is to make sure that you are constantly the most interesting thing in the room, because that means that's going to keep from the bookshelf that's right behind that I want to pull all the blocks out of, or like you said, the dramatic play area right there. Um, you know, of course you can set your circle time up in advance. And, and I really do believe that you can man, you don't have to manage children. And this is Lisa Murphy's philosophy. You don't manage the children, you manage the environment. So right off the bat, your circle time area needs to be as free of distraction as possible. And so you don't, you don't want to set them up with all these things behind that they can grab. You're just asking for problems. But at the same time, if you have enough for them to do, they won't be off task. If you give their brain something to focus on, they will not have the capacity because we really, we can't multitask. That whole multitask thing, that, that's all a lie, sorry. But we can task switch. But what happens is we can use that idea in our circle times to know that when we give something to kit for kids to do and really get them engaged and focused and wanting them to be there, they're just simply not gonna do other things. Now, if they start to, if they start to lose focus, you know what that tells me? I need to change what I'm doing because it's gonna be a lot easier for me to change what I'm doing than to ask the other, the 20 kids to change what they're doing. That's way easier for me. I'm gonna meet them for where they're at. So keeping them engaged, but then also with sitting, you don't want to be sitting very long. So what I do is the way that I plan out my circle times, it's a sitting activity, a movement activity, a sitting activity, a movement activity. So I'm kind of flowing it like a wave. And by doing that, 
I'm getting ahead of that point where they lose their attention because I've already put something in right before it. And by doing it right before it, then they'll never have to disengage because I, I'm doing what's developmentally appropriate. And I love that that you also mentioned at the very, very beginning, you said, make yourself the most interesting thing in the room. They're, they're, they're going to be eyes on you. Okay. And then you said, we're going to do different activities, kind of like a wave where we're going to be sitting and then we're moving and then we're sitting and we're moving. We're up and we're down. Um, I think sometimes when people think circle time, they truly do think teacher in the center, students sitting either, you know, crisscross applesauce, you know, things like that, either in our circle form or semi circle or just wherever I'm, I'm picturing all the different rugs in every preschool classroom, but um, let's talk. I will go there for a quick time. Cause I know every preschool teacher listening to this right now is going to say, what's a good time. And I know it all depends. Help us understand what parameters, what, what things can help us clue into a good time frame for centered as for circle time, because we have children ages three to five, and they're usually only there for a couple hours every day. How much time is a good circle time? What are the different variables that we should be thinking about? So we'll first talk about when, and then we'll talk about how long they should be. So I suggest that when kids first arrive, you know, it really depends on what your school is like. If you're just going, you know, for two and a half hours a day, hopefully your kids are arriving on time. Whereas if you're more like a childcare setting, some kids might come at 6 a.m. and others might not roll in till 9.30. And so if that is the case, I really think that you should work to hold your circle times after most children are there, that first morning circle. And what that does is it's a chance to really set the tone. When we go back to that social and emotional piece, one of the components that Maslow's hierarchy of needs states is loving and belonging. Okay, so that's a need that comes way before these cognitive skills. And because of that, we need to make sure and tap into saying hello to every child, making an opportunity um, to connect eye to eye with them, letting them know, hey, you belong here. We're going to sing a song that we sing because we're building a community here. And by the way, you're a part of it. And I'm going to make sure that when you're sitting on that rug, that no one's in front of you. I'm going to make sure that I can see you. And if I see anyone who's doing anything disrespectful, I'm going to be there for you. So all of these things are coming together to create a culture in your classroom of you're here, you belong, you're included in this community. And that's why I like the idea of starting it in the morning before everything gets going. And then a closure. What a great opportunity to come back together. Hey, what did you learn today? What did, what did, you, what did you discover? Did you play with something? Did you play with someone? It's a quick way to work on some language skills, some communication confidence in children sharing, and also the teacher having confidence enough in her or his, his self to be able to have those conversations and not feel out of control. Because when we know that those conversations are really valuable, we aren't worried about, oh my gosh, they're never going to stop talking. I'm never going to get to anything because the point isn't that. The point is you've got kids who are engaging. Now, if it's one child who's talking the entire time and you start to lose the interest, that's a crowd control issue. Um, and you're going to want to pull off of that one. But for the most part, if you're having a great sharing time, what a beautiful way to end your day. And then you end with a nice, fun, see you later alligator or na 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 na. Na 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 na, hey hey hey, goodbye. 
And that leaves them with an amazing taste in their mouth. They can't wait to come back the next time. So it's bookends. In my opinion, that, was how, that would be how I would do if I did a half day program. Um, as far as time goes, you're reading your audience. And I don't want to ever stop telling you how important it is to read your audience. These are not cookie cutter classrooms. This is not a place where, you know, I've got my plan book and it says right now we're having circle time from 9.30 to 10, no matter what. Well, guess what? Today might be a day for some reason that 10 minutes in, we're just not feeling it. I want you to be able to pull off of that. So by giving you a set, you have to do it by this amount of time. It takes, it doesn't take enough into consideration. So I think what I'd love for teachers to do is test it out. I want you to be a scientist in your classroom. Always be doing research. So when you get there, maybe the first couple weeks, the circle time is like 10 minutes because you're trying to convince your people to stay. And if you've got them lingering in these activities that are boring, that's going to be very difficult. So you do 10 minutes. Well, then maybe you kick it up to 12 or and you're kind of looking at the clock and, and the kind of activities and your audience, your group is going to be different. I mean, I've, I've been in, I do 30 minute music classes, so I'm just used to keeping them engaged for 30 minutes. And most of them, even two year olds have been with me for long enough. They know the routine. Um, so it doesn't get to be too long, but you know, for some groups, it could be that 15 minutes might be the max the entire year. Whereas others, when you hit the 30 minute mark, they're craving for more. And if depending on what your day looks like, you might go into 45 minutes, but I'm not saying you should because there's so much to get done, especially in a short day at a preschool, but read your audience. A hundred percent. Go back to read your audience. I love that. And we do the same thing in our preschool classrooms where we do have the uh, opening circle and then our closing circle. Like you talked about the two bookends, right? And one word kept sticking out to me. It was community right? They belong here. And if we believe as students and our teacher that we are one preschool family and when everybody comes into that class and who's not here today and we're looking around, we're caring for each other. And, oh, guess what? You know, Josie just came back. You know, we missed you yesterday, Josie. Where were you? If they feel like they are cared about, that's the place they're going to want to hang out. They're going to want to hang out with their people, right? So I love how you talked about the opening, the closing, the bookends, the community feel, and reading your people. That is awesome. So I have another question for you. So you've been teaching your music classes for children for so long, and now you've been able to add this additional amazing program for teachers, helping them improve their circle times. Where can our listeners find out more about this? How can they follow you? Head over to musicallyminded.net. On that page, you'll also find my free ebook, Seven Secrets to Circle Time Success. Once you get that, I'll be in touch and I'll share all of my fun resources, including my YouTube channel and a club for teachers to keep them excited about circle time. Oh, that's awesome. Jocelyn, I can't wait to continue talking to you and possibly even bring you back on as a guest because I know that our teachers in circle time, they go hand in hand, they need support. So be sure everybody to go to musicallyminded.net to go follow Jocelyn. And thanks again, Jocelyn, for being here. Thanks for having me, Joy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Preschool All-Stars podcast. 
If you want to learn more about how you can create your own successful preschool so you can stay home with your kids, create a consistent income, and make a difference in children's lives, then be sure to head over to joyanderson.com to pick up your free copy of my book, Start Your Preschool. It has over 300 pages and teaches you how to create a successful local or online preschool. The book is free. All that I ask is you help cover the cost of shipping. Again, go to joyanderson.com to get your free copy of my book. Until next time, keep serving, keep teaching, and keep growing. We'll talk to you soon.